This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa podcast. One by one, all of Trump's men and women, a tight circle of co-conspirators who vowed their eternal loyalty, have begun to flip as the reality of what that loyalty will cost them has come to light. In the last week alone, three, three prominent co-defendants, Jenna Ellis, Kenneth Chesbro, and Sidney Powell, have all struck deals with the district attorney, and the former president and his team are expecting more to come. So last week, ABC News reported that former Trump chief of staff Mark the Moron Meadows was granted full immunity to testify under oath and has spoken at least three times with prosecutors from the special counsel's office investigating Trump's attempts to overturn the election and told them he had warned Trump in late 2020 that his election fraud claims were baseless. Trump advisors and attorneys have long suspected that Meadows may end up cooperating with prosecutors and had even spitefully used the rat emoji when discussing the former Trump top aide in text communications. Meadows also told the federal investigators Trump was being, and I quote, dishonest with the public when he first claimed to have won the election only hours after polls closed on November 3rd of 2020 before final results were even in. Meadows has also prompted speculation that he may look to avoid liability in the Fulton County case by highlighting Trump's potential culpability. As Politico noted in September, a lawyer for Meadows stated in a pre-trial hearing that the infamous phone call between Trump and Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger contained a lot of statements by Mr. Trump, but included no demands to change the vote totals from Meadows. In a pair of Truth Social posts, Trump said he doesn't believe Meadows would turn on him but noted that his former chief of staff has been threatened with prosecution and might be tempted by an immunity agreement. Well, look, it's exactly the same shit he said about me. It's exactly the same shit he says about everyone. Some people would make that deal, but they are weaklings and cowards and so bad for the future of our failing nation, Trump said. I don't think that Mark Meadows is one of them, but who really knows? Trump denied Meadows' report assertions and pointed out that Meadows defended Trump's election complaints in his book. Mark Meadows never told me that elections of significant fraud about the rigged election were baseless, Trump claimed. He certainly didn't say that in his book. This came only a day after Trump absurdly compared himself. I mean, could you believe this shit? The fucking idiot Trump absurdly compares himself to Nelson Mandela, who spent, hey Donald, listen to this, spent 27 years in prison, much of it in a tiny cell on Robben Island, enduring forced labor for opposing the racist apartheid system in South Africa. After his release, the Nobel Peace Prize winner remade his divided nation as president and became a symbol of unity, of humility, racial healing and forgiveness, qualities not shown by you, Donald, in fact, never shown by you. I don't mind being Nelson Mandela because I'm doing it for a reason, the ex-president told supporters in New Hampshire. I mean, 
talk about a crock of shit. The idea of Donnie banging out license plates for eight cents an hour in some federal lockup, it's, it's fucking hysterical. But one thing at a time. Trump has wiggled out of tighter spots before, but right now, the walls do seem to be closing in on the former president. And now for the main event. Norm Eisen is back with us today to unpack the repercussions of Mark Meadows' testimony against Donald Trump along with a slew of recent defectors like Sidney Powell to Jenna Ellis. Each one of these is a body blow to Trump, weakening his defense. But Meadows could put the smoking gun in his hand. You see, if you happen to be tuning in for the first time, Norm Eisen is a CNN legal analyst and the founder and executive chair of States United Democracy Center, a nonpartisan organization advancing free, fair and secure elections. His articles for the Brookings Institute and elsewhere have made the case for why Trump and his band of criminal conspiracists represent a clear and present danger to democracy. The former Obama ethics czar and ambassador to the Czech Republic joins us today to get to the heart of exactly what's going on. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Norm. Let's start today by discussing Mark Meadows' immunized testimony. I know we're going to get to my testimony before the New York <laughs> Attorney General, our unsinkable Attorney General Tish James's $250 million baseline civil fraud case. But before we start on me, I want to talk to you today, and I want to start by discussing Mark Meadows' immunized testimony in Donald Trump's election subversion case. What does Meadows have on Trump, Giuliani, and the rest of them <laughs> that could prove to be a knockout punch? What Meadows has on Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and the rest of the um, coup crew... The coo 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 crew <laughs> is an insider's perspective, a bird's eye view on exactly how the coup unfolded, who did what, the skeletons that come dancing out of the closet, the bodies that are buried that he can exhume, and above all, direct testimony based on firsthand conversations with his co-conspirator, Donald Trump. The federal case where Meadows is cooperating is all about nailing Trump. He's the only named defendant. There are unindicted co-conspirators, including two of those who pled guilty in Georgia. They're going to have a hard time defending themselves when Smith comes after them. But the main evidence... Uh, that Meadows offers right now is what was going on in Trump's head and proof that he knew he lost, unlike Meadows and unlike you, refuses to come clean about his prior lies and therefore faces, faces substantial criminal exposure. On March 4th, 2024, trial Trial of the century isn't strong enough, Michael. 
the trial of the millennium. Uh, when Donald <laughs> Trump <laughs> Donald Trump goes on trial before Judge Chanya, Tanya Chutkin and a jury, a District of Columbia jury, uh, here in our federal courthouse in Washington. Right, and don't forget, March 22nd, he's supposed to be starting the criminal trial for the District Attorney of New York, um, the Alvin Bragg yes. case, which clearly is going to get pushed back if the Washington, D.C. <laughs> case you know, starts first. But again, you know, when you're, when you're plagued by as many um, indictments and cases as Donald is, well, you know, sometimes one case is going to have to take precedence over another. But, you know, ABC News on this reported yeah. that sources had told them that Meadows informed Smith's team Jack Smith is who I'm referring to, that he repeatedly, Mark Meadows, who you know I have no regard for this guy, and I told him when I was testifying before the House Oversight Committee, I know what you're doing, and look at what happened to me. What do you think is going to happen to you? And holy shit, four years, five years later, yeah. right since that 2018 testimony, yeah. well, the... This shit's coming to it's coming to his backyard now. But they but he repeatedly told Trump in the weeks after the 2020 presidential election that the allegations of significant voting fraud coming to them were baseless. Yes. I mean, then, according to the same sources, Meadows also told the federal investigators that Trump was being and here's the quote dishonest with the public when he first claimed to have won the election only hours after the polls closed on November 3rd of 2020. That was even before the final results came in. Yes, but the and the reason that those kinds of things are, are important, uh, that the claims were baseless, that Trump was being dishonest, is uh, not just for Meadows' opinion. Oh, in my view, the claims were baseless. Oh, in my view, Trump was dishonest. No, it's because he'll talk about his conversations with Donald Trump, including Trump reportedly admitting to Meadows. Cassidy Etchison says she was present, admitting to Meadows that he lost the election. He knew he lost that election. And that makes the whole attempted coup the big lie, the effort to overturn the 2020 election, which is still being perpetuated, by the way. The big lie is still going. Trump talks about it all the time. That makes all of that uh, evidence of Donald Trump's bad intent. And that's what prosecutors are going to have to prove, criminal intent. So on the jury, the questions are going to be, now, did Mr. Trump, did you believe that the election was uh, stolen. No. Now, did you have, did you ever discuss that with Mr. Trump? Yes. What did he tell you? He told me he lost. Game over. Okay. So now it's where we're going to bring in the last couple of days of my life, the big showdown, as the yeah. press like to call yeah. it, considering I have not been in a room and have not seen Trump since you know, 2018. Indeed. Donald Trump in the past has called Mark Meadows one of the former president's closest 
and highest ranking aides in the White House, a special friend, and a great chief of staff. Yeah. As good as it gets. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, now, mind you, in the past, Donald has turned around and called me brilliant, a fantastic lawyer, a guy who can get anything done, as good as it gets. Now, all of a sudden, I'm the convicted felon. I'm the rat. I am the serial liar, the convicted liar. And so this is what he's going to do to Mark Meadows. It's what he does to anyone and everyone who now opposes him. When you are on his side, when you are carrying his proverbial water of bullshit, then all of a sudden you're the best. You're the absolute best. You're as good as it gets. You're smart. You're dedicated. You're loyal. You're everything. And then all of a sudden, when things aren't going the way he wants it, you're a liar. You're a cheat. You're a scumbag. You're a rat. You're a felon. You're a serial liar. And then he gets his minion. He gets his minions of moronic MAGA jerk-offs around him to start spewing the same shit. When I sat on that stand, I had fuckers like Chris Kyes, who's of the three lawyers that were at the table, he's the only truly legitimate lawyer that was at the (laughs) table, get up and calling me a serial liar. I lie about everything. Nothing that comes out of my mouth is true. I was going to ask him, but they wouldn't let me, of course, because I'm merely a witness on the stand. Well, did I lie when I said that Donald doesn't beat Melania? Did I lie when I said that there is no such thing as the P-tape? Did I lie when I turned around and said that Donald did not father a child um, out of wedlock with an ex-employee? A woman who was working at one of the Trump mm. buildings? Were those, are those lies? Well, you can't have it both ways. And the problem, though, is Chris Kyes is throwing away his entire career. I mean, he'll be shit after this. And if he thinks he's going to be the one and only lawyer that Donald doesn't fuck over, because Trump doesn't care that it took you years to get your Mm -hmm. law license, that you had to take exams in order. He doesn't care. You know why? Because after Chris Kyes fucks up, and after he, like the Rudy Giuliani's and the Mark Eastman's or the Meadows or whoever else, He'll find Look. somebody else. There's In his mind, there's always another idiot to follow him that he can get for not a lot of money. I mean, then you have, look, you have that guy, Cliff Robert. I don't know. He, you know, personal injury, uh, you know, uh, whatever the hell he does. Uh, you know, small time civil litigator. And then no need for me to even discuss Alina Haba. She's walking back and forth in her high heel shoes. The only thing that was missing from that scene was a cameraman in front of her and somebody holding a fan because all she was doing was playing to him and to his ego. She didn't care. She knew this case is fucked. But somewhere along the line, these three assholes sold Donald on a bill of goods that by discrediting me, 
by trying to denigrate me, casting me as a liar, a serial liar, and so on, that all of a sudden they were going to make a motion for a directed verdict. The judge was going to grant it. Trump was going to walk out, hands in the air like Rocky Balboa after his first win, Rocky II, and he's going to declare victory not just on this case, but on all of the cases. It's all part of the great witch hunt. But here's what happened. Judge turned around and said, you're joking, right? He goes, absolutely denied. And Cliff Robert comes back and he asks again, no, Your Honor, you have to do it. If, if Tish James's case was predicated on a on a serial liar, and everything that he says has been proven to be a lie, then therefore this case cannot exist. Judge Turner said, I'll say it to you again. Absolutely denied. Michael Cohen is a witness. I don't know if he's the key witness. I don't know if I would call any of them a key witness. There's enough documentation on this case to fill this courtroom, and there's plenty of witnesses that are going to come to the stand. Absolutely denied. Uh, it's funny because you really came to the same bottom line as I did. You know, I always tell people about you. Michael, whatever he may have said or done in the past has always been strictly honest with me. And I got asked on television, I think, this week, well, uh, why did he plead guilty uh, to something he didn't do if he's so honest? And I pointed them to uh, to judge uh, Jed Rakoff's book, Why the Innocent Plead Guilty. As a criminal defense lawyer, it's part of the systemic injustice, the pressure on family members, often on family members, that leads to that. Well, you know, of, well, you know, you know the story on that. I First know of all, I do. the full title on that. Yeah, the full title on that book, though, is Why the Innocent Plead Guilty and the Guilty Go Free. I read it when I was in Otisville. And just for my listeners, I mean, because, you know, this podcast is growing by leaps and bounds. I want everyone to remember, I was given 48 hours from Friday at 5.30 p.m. to Monday morning, 9 a.m., to either come in and plead guilty or the Southern District of New York was filing an 80-page indictment that was going to include my wife. Terrible. It's not right. So when people say, well, why? So that's the, that's the explanation there. And then uh, I thought you made a very uh, uh, a good point um, on the, the other question you were asked about the way Donald Trump gives instructions like a mob boss, you testify. So um, the bottom line is, this is not a jury trial. And that, and because, that may be because of Donald Trump's habits in uh, retaining lawyers. I, it's not clear legally if these attorneys were entitled to a jury trial, but they didn't ask for one, so we'll never know. Uh, we'll never know if Trump could have had a jury trial here. This judge wasn't going to fall for those kinds of shenanigans, and obviously he didn't. Now, they're in a lot of trouble uh, in front of uh, Judge, uh, uh, judge in Oregon. In Goron. In Goron. In Goron. Yeah, in Goron. They're in a lot of trouble in front of Judge in Goron. 
because um, he has already granted partial summary judgment. And the evidence that has come in is overwhelming evidence of uh, Donald Donald Trump's uh, civil violations that are alleged here. And this case uh, could, now there's going to be, he's already ordered uh, that the the um, certificates of doing business for the New York businesses, many of them be revoked. That's going to be, there's been an emergency appeal, that's going to be addressed. And uh, he's in, I think Trump is facing, the reason he's showing up, he's paying more attention to this trial than he is to any other proceeding. Because so much of his identity is wrapped up in these businesses, in those certificates, in being able to do business, and because he's cheap as can be. And I mean, if the guy's got to have a $250 million, that's going to kill him. That's why he may not always have the finest caliber of lawyer. So let's, let's just go back for a quick second, and I want my listeners to understand what happened there. Alina Haba was the attorney who was... Um, questioning me and the questions that she was asking me are all yes or no you can't say anything else other than yes or no which makes it different very difficult because doing anything with that has to do with Donald it's not always a yes or no answer I know that that's hard to say it's either a yes or a no that's not true so what happened is she had asked me whether or not I told the truth when I spoke to the Senate Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence in 2018, and I told them that Donald did, did Donald Trump specifically state to you that you should go and inflate the numbers of, on his statement of financial condition? And I was like, well, um, no. And that's a true answer. They kept wanting to say, it's crazy. They want me to, to, I don't know what they wanted me to do. I said, no. But then on redirect by the New York Attorney General, by the prosecutor, they said, clearly there was something that you wanted to talk about. There's something you wanted to say that explains. Go ahead, Mr. Cohen, explain to the court. And what I said was, this is not new for me. When I say, and most people acknowledge, that Donald Trump speaks like a mob boss. He did not specifically, because that was the word, specifically. He did not specifically come out and say, Michael, Allen Weisselberg, I want you to inflate the numbers on my statement of financial condition to $6 billion. Go into the back, figure it out, and come back to me. He did not do that. What he would do is say, well, this says I'm only worth five and a half billion. In fact, I'm worth at least six, probably, probably eight billion. Go figure it out and come back. That's what he's saying. So is he specifically telling us to inflate it? No. Do we know what he wants? Yes. And how did we know that that's what he wanted? Because the fucker signed off on it. He signed off on it. So you don't have to specifically, like a mob, say, hey, you know, I want you to go kill Joe, right? Or I want you to go kill Bob, right? No, you could turn around and you could, there are many ways that they, hey, 
You, you got to go take care of Bob. Go take care of Joe. They know what he means. He, they don't mean, hey, go to his house and help him fix his garbage disposal. They know exactly what he means because they've been around the guy long enough to understand the code. And that's what I explained. And that sent Trump into a tizzy, right? And then all of a sudden, after they moved, because these three idiots, these legal jerk-offs, they sold Trump a bill of goods that he was going to get a directed verdict. There's no way that the judge could say no. And when the judge laughed at him, when Encoron started to laugh, and he goes, denied, absolutely denied. 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 Trump smashes his hands on the table, throws his hands, picks himself up, you know, starts to walk out. Secret Service was completely thrown off. They go running after him. I mean, this was really a shit show. Ultimately, and I still have not been able to find anybody that knows what really went on, but Trump didn't leave the building right away. You would have thought that after that, he's picking himself. The judge wanted to see him, and he came back. They had him in a green room, in a waiting room, for over an mm, hour. Interesting. Until he was, yeah, he was brought back. I suspect, and especially during the same day, as great as my testimony turned out to be, the guy who really stole the anti-Trump show was Trump himself by going ahead and violating the most limited gag order that may have ever have been issued in the history of gag orders. You cannot talk about my staff or witnesses and you, can, you just, otherwise I'm going to hold you in contempt. But like the petulant idiotic child that he is he did it anyway and then here's the beauty of it chutkin i'm sorry and goron wasn't having any of this bullshit and so he told the lard ass to put his fat ass on the witness stand and he made him under oath swear under the penalties of perjury as to who he was talking about when he went outside the courtroom and decided to speak to the gaggle of reporters. And he turns around and he goes, I wasn't talking about your law clerk. I was talking about Michael Cohen. And the judge didn't buy that bullshit. So here's the crazy thing. Not only did Trump lie to the judge while on the stand under oath, Kais, Robert, Haba, from the reports that I read, were all swearing up and down that Donald's mm. telling the truth, mm. that he was talking about me. So these fuckers who keep calling me a liar and a perjurer and so on, who's the one that's doing it? They are. Well, um, Michael, um, I've done criminal law practice for more than three decades. And all you can ask is when somebody gets involved with a bunch of crooks, as you were, is that they make amends, they do their best to tell the truth and do the right thing. And uh, the, these cross-examinations are, uh, are often dramatic. Uh, you stuck to your guns. 
The judge clearly was not swayed by their arguments. And I think they're going to suffer a series of additional losses in this case. But here's the most amazing thing. The headlines were not about Michael Cohen, this, that, and the other. The headlines were about Donald Trump's lie and his punishment that day. Mm -hmm. And he was furious about it. Why? And you, he, it was his rage at you that came into this. He got out there and he says, uh, the, um, the judge is very partisan, words the effect. The judge is very partisan, but the person sitting next to him is even more partisan. Now, the person sitting next to him was his law clerk. You were sitting a distance away, a little below, right? And then he says, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? He says, oh, I was referring to Cohen. And the, he had to swear under oath. And the judge says, you, that is not credible. In other words, Trump lied. And he fined him $10,000 under the gag order for attacking his clerk. And even more important than all that, Trump is digging his own grave because as he continues to do this, he's going to face more and more serious consequences, including eventually the judge is going to get fed up and say, you're going to need to spend the night in jail. Well, it's funny because the, I think the judge's exact words to Trump, I don't find you a credible yes. witness. So it's funny because the, the previous literally two days, 16 hours of them calling me a liar. Look, let's be very clear about one thing. Donald Trump, and you know this as being the lead attorney in the second impeachment of Trump. First impeachment. How many? Oh, I'm sorry, the first impeachment of Trump. How many lies did Trump tell during his four-year administration? My understanding is it's over 35,000. They actually stopped counting because the number didn't even matter anymore. Over 35,000 lies. Um, that was the assessment <laughs> of the Washington Post. What can you say to that? What can you say to that? What do you do? I don't know what you say to it, but what you do if you're Donald Trump Lie more. is you deflect. Lie more. Lie. Correct. Every single person that has now come out and stated that Donald is not telling the truth, whether it's on um, the January 6th insurrection, whether it's on the voting, whether it's on anything, whether it's on his statement of financial condition— Liar, 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 liar. And he keeps getting his minions to say the same thing. But, you know, you brought up a topic that I just want to ask you. And you, kind, you know Trump's nature because you've been around D.C. long enough. Do you see Trump continuing to violate Judge Ngoron's gag order? And if so, the, clearly the fines have no effect on him at all. $5,000, $10,000. It doesn't mean shit to no. him at all. No. So what do you think? I mean, do you, do you think that Judge Ngoron will turn to, let's say, real contempt? Right? Eventually, yes. Jail? Yes, I do. Eventually, for sure. He is not going to... He's a tough cookie. We saw that. He's not going to allow Donald Trump to continue to attack court staff. And if Trump persists, uh, he's going to end up 
uh, spending some time uh, in an overnight uh, uh, room. And let me tell you, it ain't going to be like uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, it's going to have bars on it. So, yes, I think that is coming. Now, maybe Trump doesn't give a damn about five or $10,000, except he's so cheap, Michael. He's so cheap, so maybe he does. But I think that, you know, Trump knows where this is headed. He may think it helps him. He may think being the mugshot helped him, led to one of his biggest fundraising days. He may think being stepped back, as we put it, uh, is good for him, good for his brand. Uh, but I do think that's where we're headed. And I think the D.C. judge needs to turn her gag order back on. She's paused it, pending additional legal consideration. Stay, it's called. No! Mm -hmm. Turn that back on. He's attacking Mark Meadows. He's attacking witnesses. Uh, he's attacking uh, uh, people right and left. No. Attacking Mark Meadows. He's attacking witnesses. Right, so, Norm, let me uh, ask you attacking, this. He's uh, uh, attacking people right and left. Right. No. So that's what I wanted to ask you, because the gag order is not just, I mean, it is a limited gag order, but it wasn't just for the judge's law clerk and staff. It's for witnesses also. This Mandarin Mussolini scumbag walks out the, courts, the court doors, and the first thing he's doing is he's attacking me again. When, are they, when is somebody going to start to protect the witnesses? You have to be insane to want to, to even accept a fucking subpoena. Yeah. If the court's not going to protect you. Look, say whatever you want about Donald. All right. He's insane. He's, you know, he's loose lipped. He doesn't care about the law. He's willing to violate even the gang yeah. orders. Fine. That's fine. Yeah. But he's doing so at the expense and at the detriment of witnesses. Um, it can't be allowed. And that's why Judge Chetkin needs to follow the toughness of Judge Ngoran and turn this, uh, turn her gag order back on. That was direct witness intimidation when he told Mark Meadows uh, that, um, um, you know, first he praises Meadows, right? He's nice to him. And then he tells Meadows uh, in the text, and then he says, but anybody who, but, all caps, when you think about it, after being hounded like a dog for years, told you'll be going to jail, if you say bad things about Trump, we won't put you in prison. If you make up really horrible stuff, we'll put up a statue. Some people would make that deal, but they are weaklings and cowards and so bad for the future. Well, we know Mark Meadows did make that deal. So he's attacking him, and that is a threat when you have somebody with the power of Donald Trump, when you have the man who has did the will-be-wild tweet about January 6th, summoned the mob. Uh, then he, he lit the fire with his speech on the ellipse, and he threw the burning torch uh, at the Capitol where it became a conflagration. Those social media postings are very, very dangerous. And 
everybody understands what he's doing there. That's a shot across the bow against Meadows, and I think it's terribly wrong. Well, and it is, but the point I was really trying to make is what he what he does is he didn't just do it to Mark Meadows. He did it outside the courtroom about me. He did it before I was even coming in on the second day to sit on the stand. And while I respect the judge for really holding Donald more than anybody else to accountability, yes, he did it for his law clerk because as Judge Ngoron said, the things you're doing, Donald, is going to get somebody hurt or worse, killed. What about the witnesses is the point I've been making all along. It's something we've been talking about now on Maya Culpin on my political yeah. beatdown. Yeah. It's something I talk about on the press. I was on with MSNBC with Nicole Wallace. I was on with Reverend Al with uh, with you know uh, Laura Coates and you on CNN. You, I've been with on. I'm like my safety is in jeopardy because of Donald Trump's mouth, and it shouldn't be that way. And Judge Angoron should have really ripped him a new asshole, certainly much bigger than what he did. Look. Let me give you another one. So not only does he attack me in one of his latest ones, he attacks Maggie Haberman, too. So he writes, the New York Times and a third-rate reporter named Maggie Haberman. You saw that? I mean, known as Crooked H. Flunky, who I don't speak to, going out of their way. That's actually an old one. That was actually a good one. Um, you know, where, where he actually is going out to, to destroy me and our relationship and so on. I mean, there's so many of these emails where... It's just one attack on me after another, after another, and after another. And he keeps, he just doesn't know how, how to stop. But he has now another one against me and with Maggie and, and this and that. Someone has to turn around and explain to him. It's not going to be his lawyers. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know who the hell it's going to be, but somebody has to do it and they need to do it ASAP because... He actually, again, speaking like the mob boss that he is, he wants somebody to get hurt. That's who he that is. Seems That's to be what the he danger. wants. You that know? is the danger. And I yeah. think that was a direct threat that he issued against Meadows. And I think he was playing games with the judge's law clerk. Uh, and the judge called him on it. I like Judge Ngoron. Uh, he's tough. And, you know, he didn't have some long litigation process. The first time Trump attacked his law clerk, he immediately called everybody before him, slapped the gag order down, and he's enforced it ever since. I like that. And it's he's escalating. That's the way. To, that can be a lesson for everybody. You know, uh, that's how. But I do think that Trump has the most formidable set of uh, justice speakers and officials, when you look around, um, and I'll tell you, there's some exceptions, but Judge Ngoron, uh, and and Judge Chutkin has already said Trump is not, uh, or presidents are not king, and Trump is not president. She's ruled against him before. Those are good judges. Um, the Judge McAfee, some people were wondering, that the guy who has the Georgia case, oh, my God, he's a former prosecutor. He's only been on the bench for a few months. He runs that courtroom like he's been there for 50 years. He's been terrific. Um, 
I think the one uh, place where there have been some uh, questions uh, about the judge uh, is uh, the one who has the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case, Eileen Cannon. Mm-hmm. But still, she has yep. not relaxed her May trial date. That will be the test. Will she stick with that date or not? Uh, so, uh, you know, so, it's some very good uh, judges. And then look at the prosecutors. Um, he, oh, I forgot Judge Marshawn in the Alvin Bragg case. He's been terrific. Trump has attacked him. Yep. And then the prosecutors are very good. To, to, you have Tish James is doing the civil case. She, the New York AG, very tough, very strong. Um, Jack Smith is a ferocious uh, uh, prosecutor, known as one of the toughest. He was well. He was prosecuting war criminals in the in the Hague. He's well suited to go after Trump. Um, then you have uh, you have Fannie Willis. She's indomitable. She's racking up the guilty pleas. Um, and Bragg is terrific. I mean, these are some excellent, excellent judges and prosecutors. So Donald Trump is meeting his match, Michael. Yeah. So let me then ask you this, because clearly Donald can't control himself in this case. How does that bode for when the criminal trials start in earnest? I mean, look, as you've said, and everybody hopefully understands this New York Attorney General civil fraud case is civil. This is all right now about how much. Yep. This is a money case. This is not about this is not about uh, prison or anything. You know which ones are? The other four that you just mentioned. Yeah. Right? Those are all criminal cases. I don't see any of the judges in the four criminal cases putting up with any of this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, that's why I think Donald Trump, even before conviction, is probably going to be facing some uh, time, uh, uh, you know, to think about his dangerous, false, ugly, and in my view, contemptuous, contemptuous in the legal sense. They violate the law uh, and he can be punished, including in the extreme cases where you build this kind of a record. That's what Judge uh, and Gorin is doing. And he's doing it so brilliantly. He's building a record. So when he says, well, you're going to have to spend the night in jail he, and there'll be an immediate appeal to the um, to the uh, second department. Right. The second department takes the appeals out of mm-hmm. out of that court. Um, the, the appellate judges will say, no, there's a record here. We're not going to give Donald Trump a break. So that's what's going on. And of course, uh, what's remarkable about our conversation is, look, I've litigated a lot of cases involving Donald Trump. Uh, I've opened hundreds of files, legal matters involving him. Uh, everything from the impeachment to the emoluments case to ton of litigation against his administration uh, to amicus briefs and many of the major criminal matters. But your 
in the middle of it because you stepped up and you did the right thing. And it's not pretty. It's not easy. I'm sure that was not fun being on the stand. But you're doing your best to do the right thing. And uh, I, uh, I admire that tremendously, Michael. I really do. And, of course, it's remarkable that you have me on your podcast where we talk about it because it's living history. Yeah, well, look, one of the things that we were trying to get introduced, interestingly enough, uh, and the judge didn't allow it in, which I was a little bit surprised at, because Alina Haba spent an incredible amount of time going through the SDNY's memorandum, sentencing memorandum. What we wanted to do is introduce my sentencing memorandum. And I would ask all of my listeners... Google Petrillo, P-E-T-R-I-L-L-O, sentencing memo on behalf of Michael Cohen. And if you look to like pages 15 through 18, it talks about the tax evasion. It talks about how there are elements in law to tax evasion and that not one of those elements existed in my case. And the HELOC is even stupider. That was the, I mean, that was the sixth count that was brought against me, where I had 20% of debt on my property and that the property was worth 10 times the amount of the HELOC. How could the bank have been misrepresented when I'm not even the one that filled it out? It was filled out by, you know, by my banker, this guy Gary Farrow over First Republic, and I had had a HELOC on the same property for a decade before that. The whole thing is just absolutely crazy. And so we were trying to get that introduced. Chris Kyes gets up and, you know, you didn't know who was actually doing what. All three of them, they, they all wanted to make their statements. Why? Because they're all playing to a party of one. But you know what? Done with that. I want to go back to what's going on in the other matter, right? Um, and I want to talk for a second about the plea deals that yes, were also Georgia, taken Georgia. by Jenna Ellis. Yeah, by by Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell, because that appears. I mean, it's just as ominous as the one that Mark Meadows pled to. So if you would discuss with he, me and my Mark listeners, Mark Meadows hasn't pled. He he's cooperating. Correct. I apologize. You're right. He's cooperating. So just discuss with me if you would. What their testimony could expose Trump to? Well, it's very interesting because when you put together um, uh, Powell and uh, Chesborough, for starters, you you pull the rug out from under both legs of Trump's defense, and then, then while he's wobbling, Ellis really knocks the the knockout strikes the knockout punch. You know, the attack on the 2020 election uh, by the uh, cuckoo coo crew, um, the, <laughs> that's a, we refer to that as a Cohenism. I'm trying to equal your uh, rhetorical uh, splendor. Um, the attack on the 2020 election was uh, based on one, to stood on two legs. One was the facts, Donald Trump uh, claiming he actually won the election. The other one was the law. He says, you know, because I actually won the election or because there's these questions, 
I can get these phony electoral certificates and use them to pressure Mike Pence to uh, uh, not to recognize the actual winner on January 6th. Um, so that's a factual and illegal. Well, um, Sidney Powell was the number one purveyor of the false factual assertion that Donald Trump actually won or that there were serious questions. He didn't win and there were no questions. She's now pled guilty. So that's a pulls one leg, pulls the rug out from under one leg. Then the other leg, the law, Ken Chesbro was the architect. Well, he's pled guilty to what? Conspiracy to file false documents, the electoral certificates. So that pulls the rug out from under the other leg. Then comes Jenna Ellis along, and she alone among the three, she says, I'm going to provide full cooperation. And she volunteered to the judge. She was misled. So I think that she will be a devastating witness against Donald Trump when she gets on the stand and she says, no, that was not true. I was misled. I, I, I no longer stand by that. I wouldn't have done it if I had known. She cried. She was emotional. I mean, that is going to really hit a jury. But it's not only Donald Trump that she's going to harm. And these other witnesses will testify too. It's also Rudy Giuliani, because these are three lawyers who worked for a fourth lawyer who was in charge, Rudy Giuliani. And Ellis, Cheeseboro, Powell, I mean, Giuliani must be really squirming because they can devastate him. Uh, but, uh, you know, reportedly he... Um, the prosecution isn't interested in doing a plea with him yet. He's going to have to agree to jail time, in my view, if he wants a plea. So I think it's bad for Trump. It's bad for Giuliani. It's bad for Eastman. And Meadows had better cut a deal in Georgia because they hang him, too. Yep. So let me ask you a question, then, because you brought up an interesting topic, right, about cutting deals. Norm, do you see a scenario where you ultimately see Trump realizing that he's fucked. He's going to prison. He's going to be found guilty if he lets these cases go to trial. But instead, cuts his own deal, pleads guilty for whatever the deal may ultimately be. Do you think that Jack Smith would even entertain a Trump deal at this point? Or do you think that Smith, because look, you said it first, he is a ferocious prosecutor. You think he's just going to want to push the case all the way? No, if Trump is willing to accept jail time and plead guilty and accept responsibility, Jack Smith would consider a plea. But Michael... I know Trump from litigating against him. You really know him. What are the odds that he's going to do that before the election? Zero, in my opinion. Zero. Yeah, I would say I would say the answer to that is slim to none and slim left the building. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is his only way out. He think he sees the presidential run. He sees the presidency as his get-out-of-jail-free card. That's it. 
And without it, he realizes that his ass is cooked and he's going to lose everything. Most specifically, forgetting about losing just all of his money, he's going to also lose his freedom. Yeah, totally. Totally. There's zero chance. So let me zero ask you this then. Of a, zero. Uh, wait. Zero until after the election. If Trump loses the election, and if there's no Republican who wins with the hope of pardoning Trump, then he probably, uh, it, then it becomes a non-zero. I don't know what the odds are, but it's not, uh, as long as he thinks he can get in the White House or another Republican can, or a third party candidate can get in there and pardon him, he's not pleading to anything. But when all odds are um, against him, when any chance is removed from the table and you have another term of Biden, you know, at that point, he might say, yes, I'll plead. The problem is that that will be post-conviction. There won't be very good deals. Right. That's true. So then let me ask you it this way. As the prosecutors continue to work their way up the food chain, mm -hmm. right, because they've gotten so many of the minor players to flip, then going after the bigger fish, I mean, they've largely succeeded now in that, right, with Sidney Powell and with Chesbro and Jenna mm -hmm. Ellis. Do you, do you see a scenario where Rudy Kaludi, drunken Giuliani, really faced with going to prison for a very long time. You see, right now, he's still walking around. He's still carrying Donald's dirty water. Yeah, yeah. When he is ultimately going to be confronted with going to prison for a long time and Trump <laughs> re refusing to fucking help him and to help to defray legal costs, you think Rudy will flip on Trump and ultimately become a star witness? And if so, what does this then do to Trump? Yeah. Rudy Giuliani is going to face increasing pressure to plead. This troika of uh, Ellis, who he described as his number two. Think of how much she has on him. Chesbro worked with him. Powell worked with him. That's going to put the pressure on him. He's running out of money. He's having a lot of other problems. He can't pay his bills. He can't hang on to lawyers. He got some uh, 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 country lawyer representing him who lives three hours outside of Atlanta now in this criminal case. The pressure is going to be in too intense. Giuliani is going to flip, and that is really going to put the screws to Donald Trump. But still, Trump is not going to budge until you get past November 2024. He's going to be playing for that prospect that a Republican gets elected and pardons him, maybe he's the Republican candidate. He pardons himself or orders DOJ uh, to drop the case federally. If he were to plead in the state case, it would compromise that federal play. So don't expect him to do anything until after November 2024. After that, I think uh, the prospect of uh, Giuliani turning on him, all these others, there'll be many more cooperators in the state case by then. There'll be others, others like Meadows cooperating in the federal case. It becomes a non-zero chance, as I say, 
that he cooperates. Now, will he actually, if he loses the Republican nomination, turn to a third party race? You know, uh, Michael Cohen knows that uh, better than I do, as I've said. I will say this, Michael, about your Trump prognostication abilities. So people should listen to Michael when he makes a uh, an analysis of what Trump is going to do. So, you know, it's funny because you're not the first person who I've heard say that if he doesn't get the nomination, he's going to go third party. And so let, so let me give you my perspective on it. I don't think so. If he now he may threaten it so that no other Republican or the Republican Party has no choice but to accept him as the nominee. Again, at least now he has a 50-50 shot of becoming president and saving his ass. First of all, which would be the third party? He's going for the Independence Party? I don't think so. That's already taken, right? Um, what's he going to go for, the Green Party? Here's the, here's the reason why I say I'm not buying it. Because in order to get on the ballot in all the states, especially now as a Green Party or whatever party, the Donald Party, whatever third party that it's going to be, you're going to have to spend an enormous amount of money. Now, people may turn around listening to this and say, yeah, but he has that ability. He's already raised and has money sitting in the kitty. Well, here's the difference. A lot of the money that's sitting is in the super PAC. And if you read the, if you read the fine print on the super PAC, you know what it says? 90% of all monies received to the super PAC, Donald has total discretion over that money. It does not need to be used for political purpose. It doesn't need, he can keep it. That's how he's paying to fix his airplane or to fly around on the aircraft. 90 cents of every dollar that these idiots are giving to him in the pack. Basically, you're giving it to Donald to keep for his pocket. He is not going to spend that money, which he considers his, and that could be the only money that he ultimately gets left with. He's not going to spend that in order to get onto a third party, you know, as the third party nominee, when he knows that there is zero chance that he could win. Zero. You were the first person to say to me when I was interviewing you in the earliest days of the impeachment at the beginning of 2019, because I uh, wanted to impeach on some of these, um, the, the 2016 election interference through hush money payments. You have evidence on that. Some of the financial frauds, particularly using his White House position to perpetuate his financial uh, empire on such a false, uh, uh, allegedly fraudulent basis. I, I interviewed Michael. I came to New York and I always, I love to tell the story. Michael said to me, Norm, one other thing you got to watch out for. You're not asking me the right question. What is that, Michael? Uh, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> he says, you've got to watch out for the 2024 election. That guy is not going to leave the white house willingly. We're going to have, and I'm paraphrasing, non-peaceful 
uh, transfer of power. I put the exact words down in my book about the impeachment, a case for the American people, because they were so important. And it really got me thinking. And later on, when I was doing all my work on democracy protection, in part, it was because Michael warned me. So, folks, when he talks, listen. So, Norm, let, let me jump into something else here for a second, because I want to talk about Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which says that a public official is not eligible to assume public office if they, and the quote is, engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States. Do you see any possible scenario where this would keep Trump off the ballot? That will be, we will know much more about this uh, by the next time I'm on your podcast, Michael, because that's the question that's being litigated in several places around the country now. The first trial will be uh, in Colorado starting shortly. Um, certainly the things that Donald Trump did were uh, as bad as the acts of insurrection that some of those who were barred from office in the 19th century after the Civil War. Uh, what Trump did is is as uh, much an insurrection as what they did. But there's a lot of legal uncertainties. And, uh, you know, uh, it's important that it's being tested. That question is really for the courts. So we should keep a very sharp eye out on how they adjudicate it. But I have written about the powerful fit between the 14th Amendment uh, and the conduct of Donald Trump. The January 6th committee thought DOJ should prosecute him for insurrection. Um, and you have some fantastic lawyers who are litigating this matter. My former colleagues at Crew, which I co-founded, Crew is bringing the case. Now we're just going to have to see yeah. what happens. Yeah. And so, look, as the hour comes very quickly, you know that whenever we spend time together, it always goes by quickly. I just for the last question, I want to switch gears one last time. And I want to discuss the election of this new House Speaker, um, MAGA Mike Johnson. Do you think that he'll prove to be a stabilizing figure in the party? Or do you think that he'll just move the Republican House further to the right? and continue to normalize the MAGA agenda. And I say this because anyone that gets praised by Matt Gates, you know is far right and is a far right fucking mm. lunatic. And listening to this guy talking about mm -hmm. Jesus and, and uh, uh, Roe versus Wade and the fact that you know, no woman should be permitted an abortion. I, I mean, I start to think to myself, holy shit, this is not the guy that I could see being a unifier mm. of the Republican Party unless all the mm -hmm. Republicans in the party are the same as them. The future of MAGA Mike uh, is able to be forecast by his past. I got to know him on the first Trump impeachment. He's soft-spoken, he's cordial, but Trump had no ferocious, and in my view, no more dishonest, no more ferocious, no more dishonest uh, a defender than uh, Mike Johnson. Uh, don't be uh, fooled by that mild demeanor. 
He is a hardcore MAGA follower. You want more proof? He led the congressional effort to file an amicus brief in the United States Supreme Court saying Texas could sue to throw out the votes uh, for Biden in Pennsylvania, even though Biden clearly won. It was nakedly anti-democratic. Even the Supreme Court, dominated by Republicans, laughed it out of court, refused to consider it. That's who we're talking about here. So, yeah, I do not think he's going to be a stabilizing influence. I think he's going to be a dangerous one. And we got to keep a sharp. Well, I totally agree. I mean, I, I look at him and all I see is a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's really all that I see. He's trying to, as you said, portray some sort of a very even hand. The problem that the Republicans have is greater than what most people think. It's exactly what happened to Kevin McCarthy, right, where it only takes a couple of people to turn around to say, you know what, this shit just ain't working for us. And they get together and they put in the you know in, impeachment, the vote of no confidence. And next thing you know, once again, the House doesn't have a leader. But, you know, Norm, I just want to say to you, you know, you are the final. The, the, listen to this one. You are the final guest on this specific RSS feed for Maya Culpa. We're actually moving the RSS feed over to the Midas Touch Network. To get all the the new episodes, um, you're going to have to then just subscribe to the new RSS feed. The link for the new RSS feed is in the description. So when you come back next, you'll be on the new Midas Touch Network RSS feed for Maya Copa Podcast. Friends, <laughs> join us. Join us on the new Midas Network RSS feed as one of the friends of the pod. Uh and a friend of Michael, there's no better way that you can spend your uh, podcasting attention than hanging out with Michael uh, and uh, his friends, of whom I uh, consider myself to be As do a I. Close so, one. Norm, my friend, let me as always say thank you for joining me. Thank you for your insight. Boy, boy, do we have a lot to, to talk about. There's just too much going on all at the same time. From Maine to Israel to Ukraine, you know, to our national politics, to the fighting. Uh, I mean, this is just, it's just really too much. So I ask everybody, take a deep breath. Things will be okay together as the Mea Culpa podcast listeners and supporters. Together we will fight this. We will ensure that 2024... There will be a massive blue tidal wave that runs over the entire Republican Party and that we will take back more houses. We will take back more states. You know, we will take the House back. We'll continue to control the Senate. And yes, Joe Biden will be president in 2024. So my friend Norm, thank you, my brother. And I will see you and I'll be speaking to you very soon. Thank you, Michael. See you soon. You got it, pal. And now for today's mea culpa. 
I'm struck by how Donald Trump compared himself to Nelson Mandela. I mean, let's forget for a moment that he is a deeply racist bigot and consider the possibility that Trump is a persecution complex and actually really sees himself as a political prisoner being targeted by a corrupt government. The former president is portraying himself as a bulwark against a deep state that he claims is weaponized against him as well as his supporters. You see, look, the idea that he is a political martyr who is being unfairly targeted by the Biden administration, despite 91 charges across his four criminal indictments, I mean, look, I'm going to say it my way, it's fucking ridiculous. But it does strike a chord with his base who truly believe that despite all the evidence that Trump is innocent. It's part of a larger and quite frankly dangerous sensibility that the government is against them as well. You see, Trump is spinning a web of lies and inciting his base to rally behind him as he builds himself up into this martyr. Behind those lies is the prospect for more violence. Take this startling statistic. One in three Republicans believe that true American patriots may have to resort to violence to save the country. The former president falsely claimed that the former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley committed treason and suggested, get a load of this, that he be executed called for police to shoot shoplifters on sight and using language that mirrors Nazi eugenics. I mean, claim that migrants illegally crossing the southern border are poisoning the blood of our country. We're building up to something big and ugly, and Trump knows how to manipulate people to get in touch with their worst and their most basic instincts. If he is pushing this notion that he is being unfairly persecuted on top of a stolen election, he is lighting a fuse that is going to explode and make January 6th look like a Boy Scout jamboree. Trump has never respected the norms of political behavior, and there's little reason to think gag orders will provide meaningful guardrails either. The day is fast approaching when someone picks up a gun or builds a fucking bomb and then seeks to follow through on Trump's words. If and when that happens, he will say that he did not specifically direct or cause the violence and he will probably escape without criminal charges and the blood will be on his hands yet again. And as always, my friends, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. 